This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to the post-game podcast to look back on a record-breaking afternoon at Anfield. The 3-0 win over Southampton means Liverpool have won their opening seven competitive matches of the season for the first time in the club's history. And more importantly, it means Jurgen Klopp's side moved two points clear at the top of the table, ahead of a Carabao Cup and Premier League doubleheader with Chelsea, and then a trip to Manchester City before the next international break. This podcast, as always, kicks off with the considered verdicts of our Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce. You will then hear from Red supporters Ross Strachan and Alex Watt. And we'll finish off with audio highlights from Jurgen Klopp's press conference, in which the Liverpool manager gives his thoughts on a very good afternoon's work, Virgil van Dijk's fitness after the centre-back came off against his former club, and the perfect start to the season and the big matches that are to come. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's been really well received by Reds fans, and if you can rate, review or subscribe to all the podcasts we produce under the Blood Red banner, we would be very thankful. Our main Blood Red show will be back on Monday, but until then, have a good weekend and bye for now. The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, Liverpool returned to the top of the Premier League table after an emphatic 3-0 victory over Southampton here at Anfield this afternoon. It was a record-breaking afternoon as for the first time in the Reds' history. They've, they've won the first seven competitive games of a season. You know, people wondered whether there might be a European hangover after the, uh, you know, just the, the drama and the, how gruelling that win over PSG was in the Champions League in midweek. Certainly last season, that was an issue for Liverpool. They won just once in the six league games that followed on from group matches. But, uh, you know, a, a repeat never really looks on the cards today. Liverpool were, were bang at it and they had the game won by half-time. Southampton completely brushed aside and then the second half was a, was a non-event really with Southampton happy seemingly just to avoid a, an absolute annihilation and a Liverpool conserving energy for, uh, for tougher tests that lie ahead. I think you've got to give Klopp a huge amount of credit for the changes he made today. He spoke yesterday about needing to utilise the depth of his squad and certainly you know, he, he seems to have the Midas touch with his decision making at the moment because uh, Zed and Shakiri. Uh, handed his full debut and I thought he was magnificent in that first half. I think Liverpool caught Southampton unawares with their formation, clock changing to a 4-2-3-1 with uh, Firmino left, Mane right, Salah through the middle and Shakiri able to wreak havoc just behind Salah. Such an intelligent footballer with the way he finds pockets of space, his touch so good, linked up with that, that established front three so well. Um, when the first goal came, there was a, you know, a big slice of luck to it. Shakiri skipping in off the left in his strike, taking two deflections with the unfortunate Hoot uh, putting through his own, own goal. Um, but you know, there was nothing lucky about the way in which Liverpool went on to absolutely boss the rest of the, the contest. The second goal, fantastic delivery from a corner from Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joel Matip soaring highest. He was the other player you know, brought in from the fringes today. A first start since March for Matip. Um, but what a day for him. His first goal here at Anfield and his first in any game for the club since the 4-1 win at West Ham last November. And then on the stroke of half-time, a special moment for, for Mo Salah. Again, it was Shakiri at the heart of everything. A wonderful curling free kick that left Alex McCarthy beaten. Cannon back off the underside of the bar and Salah won the foot race to the rebound. Toe poked it home and it was absolutely mobbed by his teammates. You know, there's been a lot of scrutiny on Salah's form. Um, but that, that goal will do his confidence the world of good. You know, his first one in, in four matches. 
And then it was interestingly for the second half, uh, Klopp decided to change things. Uh, Shakiri very unfortunate to get taken off. You know, as Klopp explained, it was purely a tactical thing where he felt the game was so open in the second half. He, he, you know, with Liverpool 3-0 up, he didn't feel the need for it to be open like that after the break. Um, so he brought on James Milner, looked to shore things up. And, uh, you know, he, he certainly did that. You know, the, the Southampton you know, never, ever threatened to get themselves back into it. But it took them 91 minutes to force a save from Alison Becker when substitute Charlie Austin finally had a pop. But by then, the, uh, the game was long since over. Liverpool march on. And, uh, you know, I think, obviously, two games against Chelsea now coming up, the League Cup time midweek, and then, you know, the trip to Stamford Bridge in the Premier League next weekend which promises to be uh, you know, a, a real test of this, of this team's title credentials. So, uh, but seven out of seven so far, you know, questions keep getting asked of this Klopp team and they keep on coming up with the answers. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's Ross from Witness, just arrived home from Liverpool v Southampton game. That's seven wins on the spin. Best start to the season we've ever had, apparently, so everything's positive. Uh, started off with a slightly different system today. Um, had a couple of different starters. Shakiri made his first start. Matic came in. Um, Shakiri uh, playing centre mid, centre mid, pushing on towards the strikers. Thought looked lively in parts. Um, you can see he's technically a very good player, strong. Was involved in two of the three goals in the first half. Um, maybe settling into a new system, he was. It left us a tiny bit exposed in the midfield. Southampton weren't great on the day, but when they did have the ball, uh, particularly in the first half, um, they had a lot more time in the midfield than they did if they had. We had someone like a Milner or Cater in there. Um, Shakiri settling into that system, taking a bit of time, but. You can see he's got every attribute. He's going to be a real asset to the club this season. I think coming off the bench as a squad player, um, that was very positive. Uh, Mo Salah um, seemed to play a lot more central. Um, Could have had a couple of goals first half. You can see how much he's trying. Um, But nothing seems to be coming off from him in the minute, but you can see he's working hard. and He's just got to keep pushing on. the first goal, I, I can't really tell you much about the first goal, but from where I was sat, it was a security shot and it just it just seemed to end up in the back of the net. And I've had a look and apparently it was an own goal. Bit scrappy, but you know it was good to get that goal early and it's just ruined probably Southampton's game plan because they they come in with a game plan, probably keep it tight and to concede early on like that, it's going to affect them a bit. Um, and obviously Matip got the second Cracking header, you know, he's a big lad. Should be doing a lot more of that when he's playing, to be honest, from set pieces. We are a threat from set pieces with Van Dyke and Matip and that there. We are good. Um, Van Dyke thought he was a colossus today. I know he went off injured about 55 minutes. Hopefully that's nothing too serious, but particularly the first half, um, the bits and bobs that Southampton did have in our half, the shots and stuff, Van Dyke was basically blocked everything. He's like a magnet to the ball. He's he's a huge lad. His foot sticking out, get, getting his foot on everything. Wins everything in the air and so composed on the ball. I mean, he's he's been an absolute revelation. A lot, a lot of things have been said about him and, you know, 75 million now is looking cheap to me. Um, so, 
we go on into the second half. Obviously, we're comfortably in there, 3-0. Salah got that goal at the end of uh, the first half, which um, you could see the relief when he scored that, to be honest, and the relief in the crowd and the extra you know, cheers and support that he got for Everyone wants wants Salah to, to do well. You can see how hard he's trying. But in the second half, um the same the same sort of scenario. The front the front three, it's not really clicked for them at all this season, but the results are still coming. But you know, where where it was happening last season where everything that he was trying was coming off. It seems that it seems at the minute nothing he's trying's coming off. But to me I, I always see that as a positive because We've won seven out of seven, and the front three haven't really got going. They've, they've had the they've had the moments. Don't get me wrong, Firmino puts a shift in every game. Mane, excellent on his day. Salah's really you can see how hard he's trying, but you know if there's going to be a time, someone's going to get a paste in soon. All these little touches and flicks are going to come off. Salah's going to bag a few. There's going to be someone's going to get hiding soon, and. You know, I'd love it if, if it was one of the big boys. You know, if we could do it, do it to someone like a Chelsea, a City, make a statement. Because it's still early days. It is still early days in the league, but we're looking. To, we are looking strong because we're still in. To me, we're still in second or third gear. Um, if we can, if we can really click, it's it's almost frightening to where we could be. So, all in all, positive. Positive results. Southampton, very disappointing when all said and done, but I think the first goal is knocking the stuffing out of them and I can't really blame them in the end. They just don't want to get beaten in the end, so they just foot off the gas the second half. It was you know, it was almost a training session at times. But great results. And now it's Chelsea midweek, I think, and then Chelsea again on the Saturday. So let's let's make a statement and let's go and get a result against these. Hello, Alex Watt from Did It Cross The Line. Uh, well, we're top of the league again, where we belong. Um, yeah, seven wins in seven, which is incredible. I think it's the first time we've won seven in a row since like 2014 under Brendan Rodgers. First time maybe ever we've won our first seven games and did it against Southampton with relatively little fuss as well, which was nice to see. It was almost a surprise. Um but I have to keep reminding myself that this is a different Liverpool. Um, it's not the same as the um, previous seasons. Um, on the back of the PSG result, it was obviously important that the levels didn't drop off. We've all seen Liverpool sides in the past where we've lost games like this after big European wins. Um, we saw a bit more of the squad. Shakiri and Matip both came in. Matip getting a goal, had a good performance. Um, it's going to be important, I think, in defensively for Matip and Lovren to get games provided Lovren deals with his uh, <laughs> perjury case shall we say but um, definitely in terms of the rotation as amazing as Virgil van Dijk and Gomez have been to have four solid centre-back options would be really nice because I don't remember the last time we really had that um, even more important we saw van Dijk go off with a rib injury so having Options will be important. Hopefully that's, you know, not too serious. It just looked like a precaution, him coming off. Um, Gomez was obviously great when he came on, as he has been all season. So a lot of positives there. Uh, Shakiri coming in as the number 10, I thought was a really good move from Klopp. Um, I guess we knew we'd have a lot more of the ball in this game. Southampton would defend. So bringing in a player like Shakiri that can 
you know, open defences, be a bit more creative in that way was perfect. And again, shows the options that Klopp has in terms of uh, the squad depth this season. I think having that more attack-minded player today was really useful and important. I think we lacked that against uh, Brighton, uh, against Leicester as well. Someone who can pick a lock like that. Speaking of attack, attacking players... Um, we already knew this, but rumours of Mo Salah's demise have been greatly exaggerated. He was great today, as he has been all season. But the fact that he got on the score sheet again, you know, scored one, uh, nearly scored with a back heel. He had one ruled out for offside as well. He was everywhere today. He was tremendous. And I think that will silence some of his critics. So I think, I mean, the whole thing's been a bit ridiculous, but obviously... It was nice to see him perform well and just shut everyone up, really, for another week, at least, anyway. Um, so, yeah, awesome stuff. We've obviously got the two Chelsea games coming up next. Um, those are both going to be massive, obviously, um, especially the second game in the league because Chelsea are looking like real contenders alongside us and Man City. Um, so it'll be an interesting week for me personally as well with my wife being a Chelsea fan. So... Uh, on that note, we've got uh, our own podcast uh, called Did It Cross the Line, which we look at Liverpool and Chelsea a lot. I'm obviously a diehard Liverpool fan. Um, my wife, Rebecca, is a diehard Chelsea fan and football journalist. So it's going to be an interesting week coming up. You can check us out uh, on at Did It Cross at Twitter, um, where all the links to the shows will be. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, there'll be a couple of good shows coming up with that. So, uh, yeah, thank you and up the Reds. Long may we be top of the league. Cheers. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. This is Simon Donnelly, uh, Liverpool Echo jury member. Today was a bit of a game of two halves, I thought. Uh, first half, we were more like Liverpool of old. We, we pressed and pressed and harried Southampton into mistakes. We scored our three goals. And it was an absolute joy to see Mo getting on the score sheet. He's certainly trying hard enough. Um, so it was a joy to see him getting his goal. And we basically, in the first half, I thought, put Southampton to the sword. Second half was not the most exciting of times. Um, I think, I wonder if we kind of took our foot off the pedal a bit in order to give our players a, maybe a bit of a rest with the big fixture congestion coming up, games against Chelsea on Wednesday and at the weekend. Um, so I think maybe they took the foot off the pedal a little bit in the second half, having already secured the victory in the first half. It was nice to see different players getting a game. It was nice to see Jürgen using his substitutions wisely. And uh, yeah, a lot better performance than I think in the first half than we have in the last few weeks. Although Southampton haven't didn't really offer much, certainly not up front. A couple of bits of intricate play, um, but no real threat at all. So another, the most important thing of all is three points on the board. Um, looking forward to Wednesday night. Although, as far as priorities go, it's it's the least important of all the games coming up. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of changes with a view to the big one next weekend. 
Right, okay, so a couple of games to cover. Uh, PSG first, I think. You know, it was, a, it was an absolute tremendous result. I think before the game, I'd have definitely took a draw. Um, and then, you know, when we were ahead, it was more than deserved. You know, the players that were on the pitch there with Neymar and Mbappé and the likes of them. And, 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 you know, we kept them quiet. I thought the two goals they got were really could have been avoided and a bit unfortunate, really, even though they were good finishes. So we've got to take a lot of uh, real credit from that. I mean, before the game, I'd like to say I didn't agree with the team selection. Um, and, you know, I was wrong because what I didn't agree with was the midfield three. I wanted to see Kaiser play and stuff like that. And, and you know, the three were really, really, really hard. I thought they all had a good game there, you know. Anderson Milner and Genie Wijnaldum even so there's a lot of credit that's got to go there I think we missed some chances and the fact that now we're talking about in Europe that we're able to just control and games and, and win games of that magnitude I think we can't take it for granted because it's not easy to do and and I think Neymar was shocked you know he really looked shocked and that the way it went in in the last minute Bobby's celebration and that was brilliant and you know that was great and I think it gave him a lift and moving on to the Southampton game I think you could see in the Southampton game before he was a lot brighter because I think Bobby has been probably a yard off it even though he's been having a go um, the Southampton game he did look a bit brighter but and I think Salah had that, that was getting a bit closer as well and I don't forget people are saying this and that about Salah but last season he had a similar run you know he missed a load of chances early doors um, and, and, and then, then started slotting them later on so so listen, I'm not worried about him. He's a threat, and, and um, he was obviously annoyed with going off as uh, getting hooked against PSG. But I, I like to see that. I don't, I don't want him to see smile on a face getting subbed. Uh, that you know, and he did celebrate the goal, but he was also frustrated. And that, that you know, that's perfectly fine. And uh, I thought Shakiri done well um, against Southampton. He was unlucky to get to get hooked at half time there. Um, that was purely tactical. Uh, obviously, you know, he he had a crack and free kick. He done some good play and everything. I think Klopp had initially thought, well, you know, if this goes, we're we're gonna have to be patient. We might need something different in midfield to unlock the door. And I see what he what he was getting at. But when it was three 0 he thought, well, let's just try and show this up because the, the ball was quite loose. We we were giving the ball away quite a lot Saturday. Um, even though I think they only had one real shot on goal and that was right near the end so yeah it was really good um, to get the points and that's the most important thing and basically because we've got Chelsea away now and City at home winning Southampton beating them was just um, really important you know it was essential um, because now really we can go we can draw one of these games here and we just can't afford to get beaten, both of them. I mean, if we can draw one and, and, and win one and get four points out of six there, that'd be absolutely phenomenal against them too. And we want to win every game, by the way, and we should be going in to win every game, but I'm just sort of thinking, well, with us already have our max points, it sets us up really nicely. And again, the same theme from the other calls. We haven't played well yet. Um, we're still searching for it. I think we're a bit closer. I think I can see some of the players... Are starting to get back at it. I think Keita will come gradually, and I think you see Fabinho as well, the um, the Brazilian midfielder. I think you'll see him as, as time goes on. I think he'll gradually get get put in, and he'll be like another player. And you know that that's really good as well. So 
obviously we got the Carabao Cup coming up against Chelsea ironically and the big games Chelsea City and all that they're just coming thick and fast we can only take them one at a time I think the only one that I'd really I would rotate for seriously would be the Carabao Cup because especially we're playing them again very soon you don't want to give all your, your, your clues away and your cards away and you do want to rest players as well so it's like a double prong reasons for that really but listen um, it's great to get points it's great to be top of the shop and um, I just really think that after these games with the City and Chelsea and the league ones we'll really know after them what we're going to do because um, you always say after 10 games you start settling down and all right, that'll be like 8 to 10 games or whatever thereabouts we'll start to see then and we'll have played a few of the biggies and, a few, and you know it, it if we're still there, right up there, then then we've got a shout, and you know it's great to see. Um, we can go anywhere now and give anyone a game. We're not relying on one player or anything like we used to years ago, Gerard or Owen, and, or Gerard and Fowler, or you know. Now we've got all kinds of players who can you can chip in and 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 do a bit. So it it's great to see anyway. So we're on the march, and and, and let's see what the next game, and you know. If we can win that as well, that'll be great. And it's great to be a red, it's a great time, you know, it's exciting and uh, long may it continue. Mark Baker, uh, talking about Liverpool versus Southampton at Anfield. Now, Brazil's straight forward victory for Liverpool, in which they got early goals and were then um, quite comfortable in the game and, and were able to run out winners. But I think the big thing to come from the game was the change in Liverpool's formation uh, to accommodate Jared and Shaqiri in the side. So I mentioned at the start of the summer when Liverpool brought in Shaqiri for what was an absolute no-brainer for the price. And I think especially after the the doubts surrounding Nabil uh, for Kia's suitability in terms of medically, the knee problem that he had, to have a player like Shaqiri on the market with the release clause who displayed some similar characteristics of here in, in the way of obviously a naturally left-footed player, his ability to travel with the ball and obviously be productive from set plays and and shots from outside the box, shots from distance. So I think it may have come into Liverpool's thinking when there was a number and an R and over whether to take the risk ultimately on Fakir that the opportunity to sign Shaqiri was there and the fact that Liverpool got the noises that the player wanted to move, Liverpool obviously seeing that as a, as a good deal and I have no doubt that it is a good deal I mean in the modern market I mean it's a fantastic piece of business in terms of the price for Liverpool I think I did mention though that the only problem I thought could be for any player who comes in for Liverpool in the higher areas the forward areas is how do you get regular game time when Liverpool have got the best um, combination of three players in terms of how they play together as good as anything in Europe and world football, really, in terms of the combinations of play at the, the front three for Liverpool. So how do you find game time in that scenario? Now, I know that Liverpool play a lot of games or will play a lot of games, you would imagine, through the season with progression in the cup competitions. But ultimately, if you're a top player, you, when the big games come around, you want to play in them. And Shaqiri's had spells at, obviously, Inter Milan, Bayern Munich, where he's at that time sitting on the substitute bench and ultimately left the club because left the club sorry because he he wasn't getting the game time and everything goes fine when 
a side's playing well at the start of the season, the manager's keeping everyone happy, the player's happy to be at the club, it's fresh for them, they're playing a, a big club, especially after spells with what you call mid-ranking Premier League side in Stoke. So, a chance to get back to the top, really. And But I think the, the more the time goes on, the player is going to want to play and, and, and play regular games within the first 11. And I think... With Klopp against Southampton at Anfield, he's seen it as an opportunity to to blood Shakiri and give him some minutes that he, he probably feels he deserves based on his cameo performances in the latter stage of the games and also his performances in training. But what he actually did was to accommodate the player was he changed Liverpool's system. So rather than the, the usual ingrained default four three three, which has been Klopp's favoured system. Pretty much all of his career, he has adapted it slightly at, at Liverpool. A lot in the first season, played a four-four-two system at times, but or or even a four a four-four-one-one, which he displayed in the Europa League final. But in the main, it's been a four-three-three, and obviously this season, uh, it's been that all the time. But th- there was a switch today, and I believe it was a switch to accommodate Shakiri in the team because, unlike Fakir. Fakir is capable as playing of of playing as a number eight. So having that sitting number six player, and then you have the two players either side on the inside right and inside left side of the pitch, which for Liverpool for the most part last season with James Milner and Gianni Vijnaldum. But Shakiri isn't really a player who plays that deep or is who has the defensive responsibility to play in them roles. Really, if you're going to play him, but predominantly all his career he's played off the right hand side, cutting in on that, cutting in on that left foot. Also, at times, intermittently plays off the left side, and or also as a number ten. So there's three possible positions in which the player could play, and bearing in mind the Klopp obviously wants to get the front three on as as much as possible on the field, such as the quality, he opted to play Shakiri in a number ten role. Now, what that meant was it changes the. The, the makeup of the midfield to obviously two more disciplined players rather than the normal one sitting player and two more advanced number eights. And whilst Liverpool got the job done and obviously were comfortable in the game, Klopp seen problems in terms of the, the pressing and the, and the makeup of that midfield to deal with Southampton when they had the ball and felt that it was too open. And it, it's something that's understandable. I mean, Liverpool's players are, are programmed in, in Klopp's system and shown by the fact that. You know they concede the fewest shots on 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 their goal compared to other sides in the Premier League. You know it it, be, it becomes natural to them and the, and the movements they make when the ball is shifted either side or wherever the geography of the, the football is on the pitch, the players just automatically are in sync and have that have that information given from the coach of where to be at what time, who covers, who presses, who supports. Um, the ball at, at each moment and, and really no matter what situation really comes up on the pitch because they played the system that long and and the players are so used to that used to that system they're able to to deal with it pretty comfortably for the most part against against any opposition really even against the higher class opposition you'd say Liverpool are defensively very organised now now when you change system it just means that the whole angles in which you engage with the ball and engage with the opposition player changes so because of Obviously, one player will be different in, in their positioning on the field. It then affects the position of the rest of the players in that midfield and also the wider players who have to have to come into effect and close down them, them passing lane spaces. And, and obviously, Liverpool struggled with that and Klopp felt that there was too much space afforded to Southampton and, and Liverpool were almost too easy to play against and obviously made the change at half-time. Now, 
it's not the first time a manager will, will attempt to do this to get players into the side, but I think it could cause Liverpool trouble um, going forward this season because whenever you change system, you need a lot of time to work on it on the training field. And I think it's always great to have variety in your game. I mean, and be able to to change the way you play and. You know, there the, the may be games where the particular system, the 4-3-3 default isn't working and then Liverpool have got to have options in which to change. However, changing to accommodate players, I've never believed is the right thing to do. There's many examples within football down the years where players have been bought and, and managers have tried to fit them into the system. And I've, I've never been a big believer in it. I've always been a believer that you buy the players to fit your system um, and not, the other way round. So what you're not doing is you're trying you're not trying to force a player into a system that doesn't really suit them and doesn't really suit the team more importantly. And you have to rejig the individuals around one player. And that was certainly what happened today. So it's something to look for going forward. Because as much as you want to give Shakiri game time, and I think Shakiri's a very good Premier League footballer by the way. I think he's a he's an excellent buy for the squads. But every time you look at that front three you think to yourself, well, who can you possibly leave out? and it not affect the makeup of your system. So, I mean, if them from three players are available week in, week out, you'd be loath really, to leave any of them out as, as good an option as Shakiri is. And it got me to thinking about some of the <clears throat> the past um, examples, really, of players who've been bought by managers or came into clubs and affected and had a detrimental effect on the, the way the team set up and affected negatively um, the makeup of that side. So I think it, it, one that really stuck out to me was in Mourinho's first, third season, sorry, in his first spell at Chelsea. Now he'd come off the back of winning two Premier League titles, predominantly playing a 4-3-3 system with uh, Damien Zofai and Robin and Joe Cole sharing the responsibilities of being wide players within the side, supporting the DA Drogba. Now, <laughs> it seemed that Roman Abramovich bought and Andrei Shevchenko in, so he was almost thrust upon Mourinho. But what Mourinho did was to accommodate the player, bear in mind he already had drug, but as his, as his point striker was to adopt a system in which the both the two played together because obviously the two were out-and-out centre-forwards, number nines. And what he did was he went to a midfield diamond and eliminated the wide players in the side. And Chelsea were never as productive that season. And ultimately, um, Mourinho left and they could never repeat that success that they previously had and, and and it was detrimental to the side as I say by trying to accommodate this one player and changing the whole structure around and I suppose another example is um, Guardiola at Barcelona so after <laughs> presiding over probably the greatest footballing side that'll ever play football in his first three years at the club I mean you've got that great success built on your back four um, Busquets as, as the anchor, Xavi and Iniesta either side. You had Messi as the nine and a half. And the wide players who were sacrific sacrificial, uh, high wide players in in Pedro, in David Veer at the time, Alexis obviously come in later. And they made runs in behind, created space in which for Messi to play, stretched the pitch, allowed that space for Messi to get on the ball. And that was that was Barcelona's success. That was that was how they went about it. And whilst Guardiola was looking for for different problems to cause the opposition, and he's he's done so at City, bringing in different tactical tweaks. What he did do is he brought in Cesc Fabregas and brought him home really to Barcelona. And he tried to accommodate Fabregas in the side. And and what it did what he did was he went to a back three, 
and played a box midfield for his final season and, and, and maintained a three-man attack. Now, at home, back where Barcelona dominated the ball and were, were always on the front foot, they, they were absolutely fantastic and literally suffocated the opponents. Such was the manipulation of the ball in, in the middle third of the pitch and, and all kinds of passing stats come with that. We have such technically gifted four players plus Messi in them, them high central areas. So, however, the latter end of the season against the better opponents, Barcelona were exposed in the wide areas. So, obviously, playing with that back three, the, the box four, and the high three players, it meant that they played with literally no wing backs. So, normally, when you play a three at the back system, you play with two wing backs either side, much like England did in. In the, in the World Cup, so you had Trippier and Ashley Young in that case. Well, Barcelona didn't do that. What they essentially did was they played without wing-backs, and if it was Dani Alves playing, he'd be part, playing as part of the front three, or if Alexis, Pedro, whoever it was. And it was tasked with, if opposition broke the press, then it was tasked to the, the Xavi and Iniesta, either sides of Busquets, to cover that wide area out of possession, and it, it was a cause for trouble. Barcelona lacked the legs in their sides, going forwards, we were having Fabregas in the side, having to take players out to accommodate um, that changing system. They lost that fluidity and the stretching of the play that, that, that was brought on by the wide players and instead went for a more possession-based game, which essentially was too slow. Fabregas and Messi were taking up each other's space and also they were allowed to be counted down the sides of the the, the three centre, centre, I'm not going to call them centre-halves, but three defensive players in their back three. The reason I'm not saying three centre-halves is because you had the likes of Adriano at times, Danny Alves playing as part of the back three, so I'm, I'm using that term loosely. But um, no, just another example of, of how managers change their sides to accommodate players. And I think with Liverpool having such small margin for error, such as the, the outstanding quality of Manchester City and the fact they aren't going to drop many points, can Liverpool afford to take that risk? of changing to give players on the fringe of the side the game time that ultimately is also important for keeping them happy and harmonious squad. And it's something to look for going forward, I think, within the season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We had to go through that game. Um, that's why I said it's the most important game in that week. You all know that a few weeks ago that you all told me very tough weeks and nobody thought about Southampton that made that game real, a real challenge, apart from the quality of, um, of Southampton anyway. So it's, it's good and it's a, it's a good sign what the team gave um, today again. Scoring three, making set pieces a proper threat is cool. Um, because they always help, um, and <coughs> defensively it was it was just good. Both all three centre halves played fantastic. Both fullbacks played really well, and um, so all the others had to work really hard. That's how it is, and um, so I think another deserved <coughs> three points. He had already before the PSG game kind of a, a, got a bruise in his ribs, which is uncomfortable, very. And today he got another um, hit there. It's not cool, but should not be too, too, too serious. Um, but um, yeah, I think he said he, I couldn't shout anymore. Did he say so? That's an obviously sixty percent less <laughs> of his level. So and, and um, yeah, but it should be should be absolutely okay. Uh, hopefully, not, I didn't hear anything different. Yes, I, I, I've, yeah, I, I lost one time in my life seven games in a row. That felt different, <laughs> to be honest. 
Um, but then we won the game number eight five nil. That was very cool. Um, <laughs> yes, it's a surprise, of course. You can expect that. Um, but I think all performances which we we showed so far were, were, were at least good enough to to win the games. That's how it is. And um, all the different challenges with different styles of of the, the opponent, um, the boys were there. They're really, they're really in the in the, in the in the situation and in the game. Different you know, all different games. So that's good. Um, but the next one is coming on Wednesday, the, and then coming again on Saturday, coming again on Tuesday, probably. I'm not sure. That's now a really short week, which we have. And then the period ends with a nice game against Man City. So um, yeah, it will be tough, but for all of us, uh, for all of us. So and that's, that's absolutely okay. So, and of course, it's better to win these games than to draw them or lose them. Um, but I'm really sure we are... Um, Meanwhile, matured enough to 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 understand it in the right way. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.